back to Get to the Good Part. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. And today we are reviewing what is one of my favorite movies. I mean, when if you were to ask me what movie, Chris, would you watch when you were sick in bed, this is the movie I would go to. And it is Scott Pilgrim. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is one of my favorite movies. Well, then you're in luck. So this could be a fun episode. This is going to be the best episode of a movie rewatch that we have ever done. Um, well, <laughs> seeing the competition, yeah. Oh, miles above. But uh, this is a this harkens back to so many sort of personal references that there's so much shit in this movie that it just flows well. And this is one of an example of a movie where they just packed in as much symbolism to communicate to you where you are in the movie and what's going on. And they went deep with this shit, man. And before we get cracking too hard, just from a from a high-level meta standpoint, this movie is divided into three acts. And most movies are divided into three acts, but no movie have I ever seen where the three acts were so clearly and colorfully defined. And I'll, and I'll give you an example. Uh, they do quite a lot with color but the th- the three acts that we're going to go through are encapsulated in Ramona Flowers hair Ooh. and the f- first act is the pink act you know this one girl with hair like this yes that's Ramona Flowers I dig it I dig it that is when they meet that is the falling in love stage that is the courtship stage the second act is the blue act that's when her hair is blue you know your hair I know of it it's all blue. And this represents emotional turmoil and perseverance. And the last act is the green act. And that is the jealousy and the envy and the downturn and and the redemption. But they have, aside from this meta level of acts, as we'll go into from an act to act review, uh, this is the, the first movie that I can think of that is really incorporated color to differentiate their acts and it's just it's peppered throughout so we'll we'll cover some of that and we'll we'll sort of cycle back and show that off the funny thing is that the original graphic novel was black and white and that's uh, that's i didn't know that i've not i i read through i I wanted to go through the graphic novel so this kind of puts me on the outside of a true fan because a true fan would have gone through the graphic novel and the movie and would be able to fairly compare the two. Uh, I'm super happy having seen the movie and I'm going to end up reading the graphic novel for sure. All right. You know what? I'll reread it as well. Oh, so you've read the graphic novel. So you've got the graphic novel aspect covered. Yeah, actually I've read, I read the black and white versions and then Mm -hmm. they made a colorized version that they were releasing a little bit slowly. And I got through about the first two of the colorized versions before I wasn't able to keep up. Ah, well, another thing that we're going to do today is special is that we've dipped into our liquor cabinets and to pull out alcohol that to a selection of uh, fine ingredients to put together a collection of drinks of, of shots that match up with the seven deadly X's of Ramona flowers as well as drinks that represent Ramona and Scott Pilgrim. I'm going to have to admit that I kind of looked beyond what I actually own because uh, I wanted to find things that really spoke to the X's and the other characters. So uh, Mm -hmm. we will touch on that when we get to that point. 
All right, I'm excited. So the movie starts with the Universal logo with the 8-bit version of the music. Go ahead. And what was the opening line? Ah, should have had this out. Was it not so long ago in the far off where not so long ago, Canada? Not so long ago in the mysterious land of Toronto, Canada, Scott Pilgrim was dating a high schooler. So yeah, Scott Pilgrim is with his bandmates and young Neil getting ready to rehearse. And then Scott's waiting for his new girlfriend, who's a high schooler, Knives Chow, to show up. And I kind of love the... trying to think of the right word here. Is it synergy? But like just the way all the different characters interact, because they have such varying personality types. Right. You can't help but really enjoy the Kim Pine character. Mm-hmm, she's mm-hmm. just so much fun to like her. She's deadpan. Yeah, it, it's and you get that right off the bat. Then Knives shows up. That's for me. <laughs> Hi. You promise to be good? Of course I'll be good. Seriously, please be good. Am I normally not? They start rehearsing and we go through the, you know, the a very long the credits. opening credit mm-hmm. scene. And that brings us into the rest of the movie. Who would have thunk? Yeah. And and and, and it's, I like the setup here. And and the setup is that he is dating a high schooler. And as Kim so poignantly notes that this is the morning phase because he's coming out of having been broken up with, already having sort of had this emotional tragedy that is this ex-girlfriend that some odd 436 days before had broken up with him. I think it was 300, and, uh, 431 days from the later 431 point. days. And and he's re- having recovered from this. And and Knives is is his comfort food girlfriend. I'm not saying that he's eating her. What I'm saying is that, that he just wants something simple. <laughs> he uh, just wants something he's, simple. He's barely even held her hand. Yeah. Like they just, it's, they're dating, but it's so very basic, very simple, very innocent. And the, the last girlfriend he had, the, him having broken up with Natalie... Uh, is is uh, more complicated. She sort of left him and you know took the, the, her band and you know went off and went big. So this is what he is struggling with at the beginning of the movie, and that's how Knives is then introduced. That's why Knives is important because you understand her as a rebound character. You don't need her necessarily to have this huge backstory that needs to be created within the movie. We're just kind of immediately shooting into the moment where he is right now, which is he's in a rebound relationship with a a girl in high school and he is 22 years old. And this is kind of sad, but for him, it's just, it's simple and easy. That's kind of a delayed reaction rebound, isn't it? 400 plus days. That's well, they didn't say how long they had been going out, but you know, I, that's true. It did, did take a while. Uh, so interesting points here. It, the, the movie itself makes a ton of weird cross references. Like it, it definitely harkens back, but it's very difficult to tell what period of time we're in. The clothing that they wear, a lot of the references that they're using, kind of makes you feel like this is a mid '90s situation that they're in. Yet there are also other references that are much more modern. So, for example, when Knives asks 
Young Neil, what do you play? He responds, Zelda, Tetris. That's kind of a big question. Yeah. And these are games that we are talking out of the 80s, right? And I think this is one of the first hints you get that this movie is like the brother from another mother to Ready Player One. Right, right. Yeah, the, 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 you, you have these throwbacks, these references, the shirts that they wear. Uh, Scott Pilgrim has a whole lineup of shirts that, that uh, actually have these sort of extra references to, to other things. And so does everyone else. I mean, it's, you have music references. You've got the Kinks is one of the shirts that they've got. One of them's wearing a, a New Order shirt. Actually, uh, Young Neil's wearing a New Order shirt. Uh, you do have these references. You even have the fact that the cell phones that are being used are flip phones. Oh. Nobody has a modern phone. So, for example, Wallace uses a flip phone. Knives Chow uses a flip phone. We are talking about sort of these this sort of late '90s technology. Yeah, and it is clearly significantly nicer than the phones used by everybody else. It's a little more high yeah. tech. Yeah, well, precisely. So, yeah, because a lot of the other phones are still wall-mounted phones. You know, when we're talking about, like, Wallace's abode, and he answers the phone, that old yellow phone. He's got a handheld phone with a, a fucking rotary on it. Yeah, it's it's, wired, it's jacked into the wall. That's a hardwired phone, right? I can't believe I'm actually saying that. But, yes, it was a hardwired phone. So, we have this sort of, like, maybe mid to late 90s. When did the comic come out? It started in August 2004, and the last one was released July of 2010, which was, I think, the month before the movie came out. But Scott Pilgrim versus the World, though, as a book, which is, which is there, it seems that there are um, a number of books, but the first one, or at least, uh, yeah, I guess the first one is um, Scott Pilgrim. No, so, so there's six books. And okay, okay. The, the title for the movie comes from the name of the second book, which is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah, I the, see that, volume two. Yeah, All the right. first book is called Precious Little Life, which is basically the part that we're really talking about right now. And I guess for those people that aren't aware, it's drawn in the style of manga. Right. And right. We, we, we know of a couple characters who were big fans of manga in Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. So it seems that the movie really kind of held true to the manga as well, because there are times where Ramona's talking about her exes, and we cut to this sort of cartoon graphic yeah. animation of her and her exes. Those are all pulled from the original artwork, and it's done really well. Yeah, it, it is. It, and I'm just looking at some of the artwork now, and it's it's just neat that they did that sort of throwback reference even to its own comics when sort of detailing the, the meta information that's being described by Ramona. Or, for example, when uh, he's talking about his ex to Ramona, and he's in the bathroom, and he's like, yeah, we broke up. It was mutual. It wasn't mutual. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. One of the best scenes in this early part was when Scott goes to his apartment and you're panning across the room and it's like all of Wallace's stuff gets kind of tagged. Bloop, 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 ding, bloop, 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 ding. That <laughs> is exactly <laughs> what you see in the graphic novel. Like it is spot on. 
that's a throwback to, and I can't even specify necessarily one video game, but it's a video game kind of style where things are identified in the room kind of like that or over the heads of the people that you're fighting. I mean, this is uh, that comes out even in the beginning when, when we're introducing the band. And you see, like, the little bubble above that gives the band person's name and kind of their position. Sort of like a stat box with a couple points, right? It almost reminded so it's, it's, me of uh, VH1's pop-up video. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. It's an interesting throwback. Which was awesome. Yeah, and I miss that, too. That That's when, when video stations actually played videos. Moving on to his introduction to Ramona Flowers, because this is really where the movie starts to shift into... The place where he is coming from and and moving to this sort of call to, to call to action. And uh, this is sort of the hero's journey for him. His call to action is is moved by his heart. And he is lonely. He's internally, he is sad. He is in a dark place. Even though he's dating Knives, Knives, again, is comfort food for his depression. And then he has this vision of Ramona Flowers, and turns out she is a real person. And she has notably pink hair. And this is where we are talking about the theme of the first act, and that is him falling in love with her. She has pink hair, she's wearing pink shirts, and, and accents that complement the pink. So it, this, is, this is him interacting with her, trying to sort of seek out the girl, literally the girl of his dreams. Yeah, very so literally. Before before we get into the challenge that he is going to have to deal with, did you dig up anything? Another example of why this movie is very relatable to Ready Player One is that there are lots and lots and lots of Easter eggs in this movie. Oh, tons. and Tons and tons. And frankly, even when you know where they are, they're tough to find sometimes because they're they can be very subtle or whatever. So I was trying to look for that kind of stuff as I was doing this particular rewatch. And, you know, so you start to notice things like the formations of X's appearing. And right. in, that sh in the shot where Scott and Knives are walking to his place, you, s you start seeing those. So yep. there's all this like yep, foreshadowing and uh, symbolism here and there. And there's a ton of foreshadowing. So the X you're talking about is when him and Knives are walking in the snow and there's this cross in the snow. Yes. And it's not like a cross is in like like a direct 90 degree kind of cross. We're, we're talking about kind of like literally more of a slanted X where two sidewalks seem to be coming at awkward angles. And it very much in the scene looks like an X where they are walking through the snow together hand in hand. And that is the, the first implementation of the X. And you're right, like the, the X itself is symbolically sort of uh, sprinkled across this movie like X glitter. And and it, it just, I think it sort of reinforces the movie that if, even if you don't know it, you feel the theme, right? Yeah. So that is, I assume that's the first X that we're talking about with him and Knives. That was the first one that I saw just um, not doing a frame by frame. Just kind of looking around. The first one that I noticed was the X-Men patch on his left shoulder. Yeah, that that was pretty obvious. And it's the one he eventually rips off. And then mm -hmm. there's a lot of references to Scott and Zero. He drinks Coke Zero. He has a shirt that just says Zero on it. 
And oh, that's right. And the implication there is that he's not an evil ex. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Not yet, at least. I didn't know that. Like, that's a really cool reference. I did notice that he was wearing a shirt with zero. And we'll get to that because there's a particular place in the lineup where he is wearing that shirt. But the fact that he's drinking Coke Zero, I thought was just an 80s reference. But but beyond that, numerologically speaking, yeah, zero. Um, that's interesting. Um, could it also be that when zero is mentioned, he's kind of at his lowest point, that he feels like a zero? Maybe. I'd have to watch it with that in mind. Okay. Because when he talks Coke Zero... Again, he's he's you know he's going to the party and he gets a Coke Zero and you know he's like, oh, dude, I thought you drank. And he's like, yeah, I, I I'm not doing that anymore. But he's he's kind of bumped. He's like in that in between place where he has very low confidence. And then I th- we can hit on that later in the movie when Zero comes back up because I think that's an important point that I totally missed in rewatching this movie. Yeah, no, there there's a bunch of little details that. Sometimes it takes the 12th or 13th viewing to actually really notice. But anyway, let's move right. forward. Right. Let's move forward. So it's the dating scene. It's the dating time, right? That's that's he's found the love of his life. He is pursuing her. He while he's pseudo dating. What's her yeah, name? Knives. It, it, he's, it's dating. It's official. It's it, it's official. So that this also is an issue that that aside from. Being a zero, he's done bad things. He has a history, too, that he has not reconciled yet. You know, it's brought up a number of times that there are other girls that he has had in his life that he has broken their hearts. And Kim on the drums, he's broken her heart. And she's not over it, although he's just trying to scoot that shit under the rug, right? And and now he's in a situation where he is going to cheat on knives because he's sort of found the girl of his dreams and a sort of situation happens where he asked her out and before he broke up with knives, they ended up going and having sleepy time tea at her house after yeah, a date. So, so let's dial it back a little bit to, to the scene sure. where he orders the package, uh, which was pretty funny, like. Amazon.ca. What's the website for that? What's the website for Amazon.ca? And, he, and I might add, like, they're using AOL, right? Yeah, which, uh, I don't know. I think of that as more American in that it's um, United States American, not necessarily like Canada, North America, but it it just feels well, it was everywhere. It was huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's still but, pretty um, big. My mom fucking, my mom uses AOL. Still? Still. For real. Uh, but anyway. Uh, and then he goes right. and he sits there and he waits for the package. And of course, it doesn't show up. Knife shows up. Knife shows up. Which, but, which again, is awkward because he's, he's expecting Amazon to be delivered like immediately. And it, he's waiting for the girl of his dreams and Knives shows up. I mean, Prime is pretty good. There is such thing as same day delivery, but right. not that good. Right. Not that good. The drones have not been deployed yet. So... <laughs> But eventually, he has this uh, another one of those dream sequence things where he sees her delivering the package to him, and then he kind of wakes up and then goes to open the door immediately as she's ringing the doorbell. Mm-hmm. So we get to this scene where he's basically trying to uh, basically trying to coax her into going out on a date with him. Um, uh, is it coaxing or blackmail when you threaten somebody that you're not going to leave them alone unless, uh, unless they agree to a date? 
blackmail typically implies that you have some juicy goods on them that you will then leverage. Yeah. And this wasn't this, really this a, leverage. Just a light threat. This was more like, well, I mean, I, I guess you could call it black. It was like, well, I'm not going to sign for this package until you say right. yes. <laughs> some people would consider this akin to Parzival and Artemis. Um, uh, okay. Well, uh, in what way other than the fact that guy meets girl, guy f- falls for girl? Uh, I mean, how much more detail do you want to get? It Well, I mean, that's that's common on everything where guy and girl meet and they kind of like each other. Oh, I mean... So I, you could say it is akin to a bazillion different things, but more specifically, in the offensometer department, how is this akin to Artemis and Parzival? She says no. She's like, would you like to go out sometime? Uh, no. Just sign for this package and, I, and I'm going to leave. I don't think she says no. No, but she, she says if you sign. Are you sure? Pretty sure. Let's go to the inner tube. Hey! Uh, Scott Pilgrim? Hi, I was thinking about asking you out, but then I realized how stupid that would be. So do you want to go out sometime? Um, no, that's okay. You just need to sign for this, all right? I just woke up and you were in my dream. I dreamt that you were delivering me this package. Is that weird? It's not weird at all. It's not. No, it's just you have this really convenient subspace highway running through your head that I like to use. It's like three miles and 15 seconds. Right, right. I forgot you guys don't have that in Canada. You don't remember me, do you? We met at the party the other day. Were you the Pac-Man guy? No, not even. That was some total ass. I was the other guy. You know, you need to sign for this, whatever this is. But if I sign for it, you'll leave. Yeah, it's how it works. Okay, well, maybe... Do you want to hang out sometime, get to know each other? You're the new kid on the block, right? I've lived here forever, so... There are reasons for you to hang out with me. You want me to hang out with you? Um, yeah, if that's cool. If I say yes, will you sign for your damn package? So, yeah, 8 o'clock? Yeah, she does say no. You're right. But he does later say, well, I'd like to hang out with you. And she's yeah. like, you want to he... hang out with me? And he's like, yeah. So he convinces her in a way by basically her saying yes just to shut him up. Yeah, well, her bad. I just thought it was interesting because, it, you know, that kind of behavior or, I mean, less than that behavior is considered very differently than I think it was then. But... I digress. Also, keep in mind, though, that he hit her with the, I had a dream that I was supposed to ask you out and you want to go out sometime. She goes, oh, no, that's okay. Here, sign this package. And then he moves into the conversation to the point where, you know, he provides an argument. Okay, well, you said no, but, you know, I know this town and I know you're new and uh, we have that in common and um, we could go and hang out sometime. And that's when she starts to reconsider. I don't think it's a matter of, of him forcing her in any way. He's just offering a counter-argument. Oh, no, he's not forcing her, and he's not trying to, like, coax her. Well, sort of. He's bargaining. Yes. Yeah, he's bargaining. I, it, it's, yeah, he's bargaining. I mean, this isn't a situation where she's like, no. And he's like, uh, well, I think you should anyhow. And she says no again, and then continues on. Well, how many times do you have to say no? I believe in, in the back and forth of a bargain... A no is expected once, but when somebody puts their foot down twice, probably just stop. Yeah, you should do that. But we are talking about him just saying, hey, we should hang out. 
We're not even talking about a love interest negotiation. And and I think um, he may even down have downplayed it there in the, in the negotiation part because he hits her with, I had a dream that, that I should ask you out. Hey, do you want to go out? And she's like, uh, no, just sign here. And then it's more of a, of a, like you said, a negotiation where he's like, well, I mean, we could just hang out, not necessarily go out, but we could just hang out because I know the place and you're new. To that point, she's like, okay, well, then yes. Or rather, if you sign, if I say yes, will you sign this? Which is not a second no, per se, just an acquiescing to hanging out. So I think they downplayed it initially from, do you want to go out to, do you want to just hang out? Which I think, I think in dating parlance, that's a slightly different way of approaching it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. I saw it as pretty mild because oftentimes you do have to kind of convince somebody to go out with you. And, and how many times do we see that trope in movies that like you kind of have to prove yourself in some way? You know, there's mm-hmm. it, it happens, but there's an increased amount of sensitivity to that these days. I like that you bring this up because what I really enjoyed about this movie was that Ramona Flowers doesn't fall necessarily head over heels for him. She's standoffish at first. She pushes him away. And even when we get into them dating, uh, she is in full control. She, you know, oh, she's she determines wearing the pants and then some. And yeah, precisely. And and even when she has him over to her house for tea and they decide to go to bed, she's like, uh, but we're not having sex. I've changed my mind. We're not having sex. He's like, that's cool. I just want to lay here. It's been a while since I've done this. And then she's like, <laughs> just reserves the right to change her mind about the sex later. So, you know, the, the nice part there is that we've got a, a, a character here who really has a mind of her own and is dictating the rules of the relationship right from the beginning. And that kind of puts it into a better position of having more character in that character, I guess, without being too repetitive. Like there's there's some color to this character rather than her just being an object that he is pining over and trying to win the affections of. Like she has a complicated past. She has shit she's getting through. Every character in this movie seems to be growing in some way by the time we get to the end of it. And uh, there are no insignificant characters in this film. That's true, because like it, what, we were just talking about something where there's so many characters in it, you, you can't keep track of it. What was it? Oh, yeah. It was that movie Brazil and the review by, oh, God. by Roger Ebert, <sighs> where he basically said there are so many characters, you don't know like who's important or not. But you're right in that every I put character... That film out of my mind. Sorry. <sighs> but every character in this film is important and has some growth, as you said. Yeah, except and for the evil exes. I don't think there's much growth there, but I think they're, they're plot die. points. So you say they grow to the grave? Is that it? They've grown as far as they can grow? Well, they're discarded. But like, <laughs> you know, but like even like Envy Adams, you know, she has this moment where she's kind of forced to look at herself in the mirror and realize the wrongs that she's done. Well, you know, he, he calls her by her name, Natalie. Yeah. And so and she says, I've not been called that in the longest time. And then she just kind of sort of reverts back to who she was versus what she became in that moment. It's self-reflection, you know, like looking in of herself and seeing who she really is. And it's a, it's a moment of growth where from there on out, she's probably going to be a different person. Right. Okay. She did just lose part of her band and her. Well, and her let's boyfriend. not jump too far ahead. Spoilers. Spoilers. 
Oh, yeah. I think we ought to say that for the record, anybody who's listening to this, be aware that this is going to be spoiler ridden. So you should have watched this movie before listening to this. Or if you have no intention of actually watching the movie, proceed. And you should watch the movie. You should, because it's awesome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Aaron from the show. First of all, thank you for listening. Once you finish listening to this episode, do us a solid. Go ahead and give us a rating and write a review of the show. This lets us know that we're doing a good job and helps other people find us. And speaking of other people, if you know someone who might enjoy the show, we would love it if you told them about it. We can be found at gttgp.com. There's tons of stuff on there. You can learn more about us. There's an episode guide. And of course... You can find our social media pages, where we love geeking out with our listeners. Now, let's get to the good part. <laughs> uh, interesting note here. She goes through her cupboard of tea, and, and Scott says, I think you made some of those up. Oh, that's and so the funny. one that popped out at me is there's one called Liver Disaster. There's a tea called yeah, Liver but, Disaster in her tea cabinet. I read somewhere that... For that scene, like they didn't, like she memorized that list. The actress Mary uh-huh. Mary Elizabeth Winstead memorized it. She's like they, like I think she was offered to, like read it while looking in the cabinet there, but she decided that she wanted to memorize it because that's a hard thing to memorize. But the T's are in the cabinet, so it would be totally realistic for her to read them and just having memorized them lightly. I mean, they memorize their lines anyhow. But uh, do you, do you? I had do you. Do you remember what the teas were? Well, I mean, I have a list in front of me. What kind of tea do you want? There's more than one kind? We have blueberry, raspberry, ginseng, sleepy time, green tea, green tea with lemon, green tea with lemon and honey, liver disaster, ginger with honey, ginger without honey, vanilla almond, white truffle, blueberry chamomile, vanilla walnut, constant comment, and Earl Grey. Did you make some of those up? And in some ways, this speaks to the polarity of these two characters. Because... She has all these different crazy teas, and he's like, you know, the first thing he says is there's more than one kind of tea, and then asks, yeah, she, and then she reads through all, and then she reads through them all. So like, he's kind of this low level wimpazoid, and she's a fiftieth level warrior mage. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. But uh, there, there is now a tea called Liver Disaster. Did it not exist before? That I believe that. It did not exist before the movie, evidently, because when I did a search for it, um, it, I could not find anything other than this particular blend at this particular place. Adagio? Yes. Yeah, and it's even got the uh, artwork on it. It does. It does. So I thought that was kind of cool, that they had several common ones. They had one that just sounded completely made up, that Scott even comments to. I think you made some of those up. And then after the movie... The product came out because somebody was like, I've got to try that. I bet people even looked for that and someone's like, screw it. I'll make this. I can make a few coins on this. Exactly. So I thought that was kind of neat that I would be able to go online and order this tea. And in fact, it has like nearly four and a half stars or 
nearly five stars, really, as far as teas go from this particular company. So it must be a decent custom blend. But I, you know, I just thought that was an interesting sort of side note that it's a situation where something within the movie, because of the movie, becomes a part of culture, becomes something that, you know, then gets sold above and beyond sort of uh, the, the, the pop stuff that gets spun out of movies. So I guess while we're doing this kind of thing, we'll just read the ingredients to the liver disaster tea. Please do. Honeybush tea, green tea, rose hips, hibiscus, cranberries, natural mango flavor, natural ginseng flavor, apple pieces, natural forest berries flavor, mango pieces, ginger, marigold flowers, and blueberries. God, that sounds good. And you know what it sounds like? That sounds like a combination of all the other fucking teas in her cabinet. What I'm curious is, um, I'm trying to see if it's on this particular description for this uh, tea, but whether or not these are ingredients that are supposed to be like an aid for liver function or something. Or maybe it's I, maybe it's I, the opposite and it's like dumping pure alcohol into your liver because it is called liver disaster. Yeah, yeah. And it does note that there is some caffeine in this tea on the website. I like how it's got natural mango flavor, but it also has mango pieces. Yeah. Well, you know, that natural mango pieces. There you go. But we digress. We do digress. We are in the midst of the first act of Ramona, which is her pink hair phase, the love phase, the courting phase. And it is within the pink act that we are introduced to the first evil ex. Actually, can we talk about a few things that I kind of picked up? And we can cut it out later. But there's some things that I I noticed while I was watching it up to this point. When they're in, I think when Knives and Scott are in the music store and they're walking Mm -hmm. through and I think it's getting ready for him to, I can't remember if it's, no, he hasn't broken up with her yet. Um, nope. The as they're walking through, there's all these signs for the different genres at the music store. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of paused my way through that scene to kind of write some of these down because some of them are kind of funny. GABA, metal, pop rock, vocal, and then gloom rock, sad core, and math rock. What the fuck? I know. <laughs> All right. Like the first three I've seen before, right? Maybe not Gabba, but the first three. Yeah, well. But, but the last three, that's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So, you know, it's, the, the it's little like things little that details. They throw yeah. And there's, I mean, there's tons of details in this that are actually hard to find unless you're really looking. You have to remember that they, have, they hire people to design these scenes. The people that get paid to design these scenes put a lot of attention to it. This is their job. This is their life. So when they have the freedom to put little Easter eggs or little details that maybe no one will ever notice, they they jump on it. They do it. There are a lot of movies where every scene has a little something in it. And this is one of those. This is one of those movies where they had the, the leeway to kind of get ridiculous in certain ways with this this film and, and the scenes themselves. And this is an example where they're in the store. Like that that music store had to be created. They had to get the music, put it in, and then put the labels over it. And they had that freedom to kind of add these little nuances that add to the movie if you pay attention. So that's an awesome thing that you saw, and I totally fucking missed that. What else did you pick up? Well, I thought the pee bar was pretty funny. He goes to the bathroom, the pee bar, 
uh, gets lower. It finishes. He barely washes his hands. Kind of hits his pants. Touches the do- touches the uh, <laughs> touches the towels. And if you want to look at something that's got a lot of detail in it, the P bar has a reflection in the mirror. It's it's I, how many movies can you think of that have people going to the bathroom as frequently as they do in this film? I can't think of any. All right, so there's the pee bar. There's oh, because because remember he doesn't actually have to pee. Well, that's fine. Uh, he just but, needs an excuse. You know, there are other instances where he is in the bathroom or coming out of the bathroom or going into the bathroom. There are a lot of bathroom scenes there are. actually. There are a lot of there are a lot of bathroom transitions. There's one where Knives is dyeing her hair blue in the bathroom. Uh, there's the one where she corners Ramona in the bathroom. There's a lot of bathroom scenes. Yeah. Must be a Canadian thing. I <laughs> So anyway, back to other things that I picked up on. When Ramona gives Scott her phone number, mm-hmm. you might notice that it is not the traditional 555 number that you usually see or Did hear you dial the number? when people talk about phone numbers in TV and movies. So that number right. is actually a number that's owned by Universal Studios because they didn't want every phone number to sound like it had a 555 in it. Uh-huh. So that that's kind of cool. Do you have the number? Yes, it's 212-664. Hold on, let's let's dial it. Fuck no, it, let's dial I'm it. Hold dialing. on a second. Yes, I'm dialing it right now. Put the put the I'll dial it right now. Put the speaker up to the uh microphone. I will totally put it on speakerphone. Hold on a second. Okay, so the number is what's the number again? 212 212-664-7665. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do that. number you dialed is not in service oh man but apparently they own that number all right that's cool i would be really cool if they had made it something you could dial into yeah anyhow so the only other thing that i wanted to you know that i mentioned when she talks about the subspace highway that she uses mm-hmm. oh yeah so this one where she can go three miles in 15 seconds yeah something like that so where the hell's that what is that reference to it's not really a reference to anything other than like, I think they they dive into it more in the graphic novel. Okay. Many years ago, I did one of those things where you uh, make your own beer at like one of those places you can go to and they have all the equipment there. And I did mm-hmm. it with my friend and roommate at the time. And we were both into the Scott Pilgrim. I was actually reading his copies of the Scott Pilgrim books and we called our beer Subspace IPA. Nice. We used artwork from the comic and everything. It was fun. So if she can go three miles in like 15 seconds, how fast is that? Fast. I know how fast that is. Oh. That's fact it's, it's 720 miles per hour. Is there any significance to that speed? No. <laughs> Not that I can think of. Let me put it that way. But uh, uh, I thought that was kind of because I was like f- three miles in fifteen seconds. I didn't even really pick up on the subspace Wait, highway seven, part. I'd, you said seven hundred and twenty miles per hour. Yes, that happens to be the uh, apparently the speed of the uh, of Elon Musk's Hyperloop. You mean the one that he hasn't yet built? I, I'm just I just did a quick search for seven hundred twenty miles per hour, and it's about. Elon Musk uh, unveiling a 720-mile-per-hour Hyperloop design. Fascinating. When was that presented? 2013. Okay, so a little late. A little late. When did the movie come out? 
2010. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, not connected, but rather interesting. So I think that's kind of cool that Elon Musk is creating a subspace highway. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Finally, they'll have one in the U.S., but they still won't have one in Canada. Well. As she mentions, because she says, oh, yeah, you guys don't have that up here. Speaking of Canada, Artemis is from Canada. The other side of Canada. I, oh, yeah. Good point. Canada's a big country, though. Yeah, well, she's on the west coast, or the western side of Canada. Anyway, moving on. So, we're about <laughs> to enter into first Evil X time. First Evil X time. That is where we are about to end up. So, they go to the Battle of the Bands. And this mm-hmm. is where Ramona and Knives start to kind of, they meet each other. And that's when Scott says that he needs to get out of there. Um, not that he has to go pee on her. <laughs> he just kind of runs yeah, away. Yes. And uh, I guess this is a good point to mention uh, Wallace, because he's, he's a very funny character in this movie. He's a he's a great character in this movie. He is. He is the the consciousness of Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, he's kind of like the he's kind of like Sophia Petrillo. He's got no filter. I Oh, okay. I did not pick up on that reference at all. Oh, Golden Girls. Oh, yes. Yeah, I suppose so. But I mean, it he he lives with them. It's his roommate. It's his friend. Which is a weird and they sleep in the same bed, which is weird. Like I don't care how good a friend you are. Mhm. I mean, but if you if you look at Wallace, sort of like Scott's consciousness, though, Willis, Willis. is Wallace. I say Willis. <laughs> Wallace is the better side of Scott. Wallace is the guy telling Scott what he needs to do. He, Wallace is also the guy that kind of communicates to the other people in his world, you know, the bad things that he's doing, like his sister, for example. So, so if, if uh, Wallace and, is the angel over his shoulder, who's the devil? I'm not saying it's the angel. I'm saying it's his consciousness. Like when he gets nervous about staying in the apartment with them and he goes up to him and says, no, no, don't leave me. And he's like, man the fuck up, right? Yeah. And if it doesn't go well, meet me in 60 minutes. I'll be at the castle. So, I mean, that's jumping ahead a little bit, but the, to, to the point that he has his consciousness to, to an extent, like the guy that's around him. And when he wakes up of, after a dream, he's the guy that he ends up talking to about those dreams, regardless of who else is in bed. Yeah, whether it's three people total or five. Yeah, yeah, right. That wasn't that but big. But interestingly enough, Wallace has has monograms on a majority of his clothes. Yeah, he's very um, stylish and is into that kind of like he would probably pay the extra seventy five dollars to get the shirt monogrammed with his initials on it. Well, he's got it on his cuffs in one shirt. Every he's got it across shot. his left breast. Everything has WW on it. He, it and alliterative name. Wallace Will mm-hmm. Wallace Wills, I think, right? Wells, Wallace Wells. Wallace Wells. Okay. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting, uh, in regards to his sort of his position in the movie to Scott. It really makes you wonder why he would even agree to have that living situation with Scott. Unless maybe he's like it's almost like he's he's Scott Pilgrim's Tyler Durden. <laughs> well, yeah, kinda. Yeah, that's a bit like what I'm getting at. Not necessarily his absolute better side, but his consciousness that 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 he knows about. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. Although not literally in the movie, because other people interact with Wallace. But yeah, yeah no, I mean he's he's side. real. 
but at, oh, yes, yes. So yeah, that I that was kind of where it seemed like that's what I interpreted from what you were describing as his role because I hadn't thought of him yeah. that way, but it does make some sense. Yeah, although although not not literally so, such as in the movie Fight Club, but uh, but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Let's bust into let's bust into the X's. Let's do it. So our first X is Matthew Patel. My name is Matthew Patel, and I'm Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. For what? Anyone need another drink? And the uh, first thing I'm going to do here is I'm going to take a drink of Captain Morgan. So this is uh, where we are now applying the alcohol to our process. Ah, I love it. I get it. Right? So I pulled a little Captain Morgan out of my out of my cupboard. Let's see how this goes. I hear pirates are in this year. Yeah. No, that's a that's very good. That <laughs> Wow. That is lightly flavored rum. Uh, that otherwise would make for really good fingernail polish remover. What what drink for you? So, uh, I decided to stick to distilled spirits in the form of uh, generally single malts. I hear you, Mister Fancy Pants. Yeah, I know. So, because Matthew Patel is of Indian descent, I chose mm-hmm. a, an Indian single malt by the distillery uh-huh. Amroot. Okay. And in the tasting notes, there's uh, aromas of Earl Grey tea. Oh, fuck. We're getting that. We're getting that detailed, huh? Okay. Earl Grey tea. Er, Earl Grey tea. (laughs) And then fresh and tinned fruit like peaches and mangoes and apricots. So it kind of reminds me of the tea that Ramona Flowers keeps around. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So that was my selection. Oh, well, then um, let me go to my flavor notes. Um, oh, it's Captain Morgan. Let's see. Nail polish, remover, <laughs> and banana. <laughs> banana, I guess. Thanks for ripping that from me. Um, it has a, it has a peppery notes with a leather aftertaste. <laughs> a bit of cod piece on the tongue. It's, um, it's, a, it's a delicious beverage uh, that you should have occasionally, I guess. All right, moving on. So this is where we realize that that you shouldn't just skim over your emails. You mm-hmm. should not. <laughs> Particularly where you're being threatened. This is the point of the movie where all the kind of all the stuff done in post, all the graphics or whatever mm-hmm. kind of take a turn of like, oh, this is actually like a video game movie. This is not those aren't just like little things on the screen anymore it turns into a video game at this point yeah yeah precisely we've got we've got boss levels we've got boss levels and this is the first boss in his travel right this is the first person he's got to defeat it's him and and his hipster chicks his demon hipster chicks that he must defeat and an interesting point here is that as we're looking through we're looking for x's uh, spread liberally across this movie. He has four hipster chicks that he is the center of. In a moment of showing the hipster chicks, you see sort of this this X of people aligned in the air because they're flying, of course, demon hipster chicks. But he is the center point of the X between the four hipster chicks that are singing and helping him with the fireballs. So I thought 
I'm not sure how intentional it was, but there was sort of that pattern where he was, you know, between the four in this sort of way that you could, you know, connect the dots and create an X. And we'll see with a lot of these characters, the X comes out very purposefully in some situations and very subtly in, in others. But but this kind of popped out to me. Also, aside from being dressed in a very light pirate regalia with uh, a heavy eyeliner, he's got a single chevron patch on his left shoulder. Yep. Hence the one. One. Evil X right. number one. And that that is probably not the least subtle reference, but. It is one of the most subtle references to the the Easter eggs of the numbers being called out for the X's. Yep, yep. And and this is be, because the evil X's have now shown themselves. Matthew Patel is the the end of the first act. We've we've now been introduced to what he is going to have to go through. Matthew Patel is that first boss. It's where we've now just stepped into a path where he is committed to fighting the evil exes. And in fact, you know, when they're on the bus after the show, you know, she tells them, look, if we're going to date, if we're going to be a thing, if we're going to go from our pink stage to our blue stage, then you need to know that you may have to defeat my evil exes. And he says, you have, you have evil ex-boyfriends? She says, yeah, my evil exes. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's where we move into the second act. like so that means we can make out She's like sure and then they start making out then we transition to that scene where he comes back to his apartment with wallace and it's that little seinfeld spoof um yes right where he where he got to uh second base actually first and a half yeah <laughs> the fuck is first and a half um First base is making out. Second base is uh, feely, touchy, chesty. Yeah. So not exactly feely, touchy, touchy, chesty, I guess. Maybe it's like reaching for it and then getting slapped away. Maybe it's a little bit of of like huggy side boob action, but not necessarily full on nipple tweaking action. Is it over the clothes act? You know, it's been a while. (laughs) Frankly, probably depended on which school you went to as to what the bases actually were. But anyway, we've been recording for an hour, so we got 